Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching, <clears throat> excuse me, still got that cold. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Everybody feeling okay? Better than I am? Good. Don't worry, I have my tissues and I'm ready to roll. I am starting to feel a little bit better. Poor little sweet Steffi though. She's still not feeling good. Wish her the best. At least she's joining us here over live in the chat. At least I think so. I think I saw Steffi. Are you there? Good morning, Urz Mommy. Nancy Solorio. Quest Fanning. Mighty Megatron. What's up? Take me to your leader. Matt Unruh. How you doing, buddy? Tell Robin we said hello, will ya? Bruce Burt Whistle. Nice to see you, brother. What's happening, my man? How's everybody doing? Have I said hello to everybody? Liberty Shindig. Richard Bell, what's up? What's up? You guys ready to rock? Mm -hmm. We got a lot going on today. A lot to talk about. A lot of great clips, a lot of great stories, and of course, a lot of great guests. The interview. Tucker Carlson sits down to have break bread with Vladimir Putin. No, they didn't break bread. They just had a little interview, and oh my god, my computer is doing that thing where the uh, mouse disappears, and so I can't see the cursor, and so I have no idea how to run the show. Don't you love it when your computer does stuff like that, huh? Oh my god, that is going to be an absolute catastrophic problem that we'll have to figure out how to solve because I can't even pull up the show. Oh my God, this is going to be a nightmare. Please, for the love of God, let this get fixed. Shit. <laughs> Hi, guys. How's it going? I can just sit here for two hours. Won't have to worry about having any guests on or anything. We won't We won't worry about, uh, you know, Zoom or anything like that. We won't have Daniel Martino at uh, 7.30 a.m. Oh, no, God! That's what's happening no, internally God, to me right now. Please, no! No! Uh, no! As I hope. Oh, God, there we go. Okay, the cursor is back. Jesus, that is terrifying. Um, there's this glitch on my laptop that happens every once in a while where the cursor just disappears. So there's no way for me to see what I'm clicking on or where I'm clicking on. And I run the whole show. It's not like there's a producer over there hitting all the buttons and I can be like, hey, Jamie, look that up or fix that. It's just, oh, hey, Austin, uh, you're performing the show and producing it. So now you're screwed. But thank God the cursor just reappeared. So I don't need these problems in the morning. OK, I don't need these problems. All right. So anyways, we'll, we'll speak to Daniel DiMartino this morning at 730 a.m. Central because apparently it's working now. Uh, and we'll talk to him about the immigration bill at eight o'clock a.m. Central this morning. We're going to hear. Uh, from Judge Andrew Napolitano, of course, it's big brain time. So apparently the, uh, the porn star payoff that Donald Trump is embroiled in, in uh, is going to go to a jury trial, which is just an absolute spectacle, I know. <laughs> We're going to uh, talk to Judge Napolitano about Donald Trump's legal woes at 8 a.m. Central Time, and then at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. First time joining us on the show. I'm looking forward to hearing from this gentleman. His name is Alex, and he is a tech entrepreneur to talk to us about all these attacks that he was getting from conservatives for wearing Apple headsets. Did you guys see this? That um, the uh, that everybody's wearing these Apple headsets. And of course, conservatives are like, this is the end of civilization. 
Every time a new technology comes out, it's the end of civilization. How dare you, How dare you wear the new Apple headset and wear it in public and use it in public? Because there, did you know that there used to be actual laws against wearing headsets in public, not the ones that go over your eyes? But there were people in certain towns and communities, if you were wearing a headset like the one I'm wearing right now, a pair of headphones, like a, a Walkman, back in the 80s, there were towns that outlawed them. You weren't allowed to appear in public. In, in the United States of America, a free country, wearing headsets. Just wait. There's going to be laws in certain communities that are going to say, you can't wear these Apple headsets in public. Because just there's always a group of people, Luddites, who are terrified of any new technology and it's always the end of the world. I'm sure that back in 14, when Gutenberg invented the printing press, that people were like, oh my God, people are going to be able to read the Bible in English. No! Which I'm pretty sure that there were people who thought it should be illegal to read the Bible in English. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it, Mighty Megatron says you look like a D-bag wearing that S in public. How okay. dare you? Well, maybe it's possible, but no, you don't need to call the cops. FBI, open up! All right, so we'll talk about that this morning, 8.30 a.m. Central. Alex was getting ripped by the Daily Wire for teaching people how to use a new Apple headset. I, I don't have $3,000 to buy an Apple headset. How about you? Because help me, I'm poor. Uh, <laughs> but you can fix that today with our bonus content. This week, we're doing Mythbusters for our bonus content. And the one that I've cooked up for you today is extra special and extra long. If you want to unlock the bonus content today, you know what to do. Uh, $50 Rumble donation by the end of this show or uh, cumulative donations that add up to $50 by the end of the show will unlock the bonus content. And you definitely want to see it because today's Mythbusters episode is a Liberty special. The not so wild, Wild West. Yes, we are debunking one of the best myths or one of the biggest myths in American history. Today's uh, myth that we are debunking if we unlock the content will be the uh, not-so-wild Wild West. And today's episode of Mythbusters on the Wake Up America show is a little bit longer than usual. I've been making one- to two-minute videos. This one's almost three minutes long, going through a debunking of the Wild West as being, well, not-so-wild. So if you would like to unlock that content today, we need to raise $50 by the end of the show which is super helpful because, of course, if for some reason Rumble doesn't feature us on the front page, that's about what we would make if Rumble featured us. So it does help to make up for that slack and you get a little extra bit of bonus content. If we don't get the $50 by the end of the show, the extra special bonus content debunking myths of the wild, wild west in the United States goes away forever and you get a chance tomorrow for a new one. So uh, make a Rumble Rant donation and you will get that chance to hear and see the debunking of the wild, wild west. Before we get started with the news, there was a little news item involving one of our uh, regular guests. Take a look at this. So yesterday, uh, protesters got removed from the Missouri Capitol. There was a rally for Israel yesterday. They started, they were disrupting the proceedings at the uh, Missouri House of Representatives. You can see here, I think this is uh, my buddy, um, Ben Baker. Yeah, he's recording this. So protesters were trying to disrupt it, right? These are homos for Hamas, right? Gays for Gaza or whatever. Uh, and they're out there trying to uh, block uh, people from, you know, having regular order there in the Capitol. And they had showed up in Jefferson City yesterday where we live and we do the show from. Hey, hey, what, what? Yeah, they are the homos for Hamas. You can see them there all screaming, you know, 
free, free Palestine to chop off our heads. To put our women in burqas. Intifada until victory. Look at this. Look at this super homosexual blue haired woman that would immediately be thrown off of a building uh, if they were to deport her to Palestine. Take every single one of these queers for Palestine and do us a favor, deport every single one of them. Send that here. Here you can see Muhammad here. He might actually uh, get survive a few days in Gaza before they uh, turn him into a child soldier, uh, dress him up, put a bomb on his chest, and then send him out there to get killed by the Israelis. But you can see here the lovely blue-haired chick. She's dog meat, pal. Dog meat, right? Look at this white white liberal chick here. You can see she's like, please cut off my head, Ahmed. Please, Ahmed, cut off my head. I, I desperately want to die. You can see here, here's soy boy number four here. You can straight out of central casting. You can literally see the soy flowing through his veins. There he is right there. But the best part about this story is that our friend, uh, our friend, uh, Camelia Peterson made an appearance. So they were trying to block access to a pro-Israel event. You can see him. Now check this out. So here you can see uh, some of these people are buddies of ours, acquaintances of mine. I think I see Justin Hill in there somewhere. I'm not quite sure. Is that Curtis Trent? No, just looks like Curtis Trent. They all look like Curtis Trent. Now here's um, the Dark Prince of Secrecy, Greg Keller. Greg has been on the Wake Up America show a couple of times. You may not recognize him. There he is. Now here's Camellia. Now here's the best part about this. So y'all know Camellia, right? Every Tuesday and Thursday, right? She's on the show. Give it up for CJ. Now, Camellia is going to try and climb the fence here, okay? Now watch, but she's got a dress on, now watch. She's so sweet. She's so cute, because she's like, you know, she's obviously shy, right? But she can't just swing her legs over the top, and of course the internet's going to mess up. What is going on with the internet? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 For the love of God, internet, can we please just get the part where, where Camellia is trying to get over the fence here? Here we go. All right, come on now. Okay, there's Greg. Now watch it. Here comes Camellia. Now look at her smile. She's already chicken butt red. Look at her. She's laughing, right? Because she wants to get over the fence. There she goes. Give her a hand, gentlemen. Come on. There, she made it over the fence. Give it up, CJ. There you go. One more time. Here she is. She's laughing. Because she's so demure. Camellia trying to get over the fence. And there she made it. Give it up for CJ Peterson. Way to go. And the homos for Hamas crying after us. Before we talk about the Tucker Carlson interview, just real quick, I'm loving this headline from the Babylon Bee. Everybody's calling Tucker Carlson a traitor and a spy, and maybe he is, but uh, we're going to talk about that in just a moment uh, and look at this as objectively as possible because everybody deserves complete and total scrutiny. I never get away with having an army of loyal sycophants who believe everything that I say unquestioningly. So Tucker Carlson can't either on this show. So we are going to critically analyze his interview with Vladimir Putin when it drops, which it hasn't dropped just yet. However, he has dropped the preview to the video, which we'll be analyzing. But the Babylon B the Babylon B story on it really uh, nails it. New besties, Tucker and Putin, seen riding bear through Moscow while chugging vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Mighty Megatron says that Tucker did what the mainstream media wouldn't. I think that other people have interviewed Vladimir Putin. Now, of course, 
Russia today has done interviews with Vladimir Putin, but that's state propaganda. So you would expect that he's not going to get a difficult interview. Uh, and someone who I, I know is a conservative who I don't agree with on a lot of issues, her name's uh, Inez Stepman. She says that Tucker is either doing real and important journalism with this interview, right? Or he's disgracing himself as thoroughly as Jane Fonda did when she went to play cute games with the North Vietnamese. It all depends on the questions he asked, right? Which I think is a really good POV. I'm going to play this here with you uh, on the Tucker thing here in just a moment. But what's important to understand, right, about the difference between someone who's doing puff pieces and someone who's doing real journalism. I don't know if you remember when um, the gubernatorial candidate Bill Igel came onto my show a few weeks ago and I did a pretty tough interview with him, right? That's how you know that I'm actually trying to do real journalism for you because Bill Igel and I are buds. I, I'm pretty sure Bill Igel supported me when I ran for U.S. Senate here in Missouri in 2018, although I'm, my memory's a little uh, hazy on that one. Still getting over uh, COVID. But the, um, but the thing is, is that if he had come in here and I had interviewed him and never asked him a single difficult question, then you would have good reasons to question my credibility, right? A am I really someone who is trying to get to the truth? Am I really trying to do my job as someone who believes in limited government and holding politicians accountable? When I say that, you know that those aren't just empty words. And when you see me interviewing people, politicians, even my good, good friend, I will say he's my friend, Tony Lavasco, when he comes on this show, guess what? He gets hard questions too. He doesn't get away with just some puff piece that's all about making him look good. Do I want him to look good? Sure. Do I agree with him politically? Absolutely. Is he a politician? Yes. Is he going to get difficult questions on my show? Absolutely. So I think that that it's, you know, just like we wouldn't we don't give Jane Fonda a pass for doing propaganda for the Viet Cong during the Vietnam, Vietnam War. I think that it all depends on the questions that Tucker asks. If he's kissing Putin's ass and he's not asking him any difficult questions. And let's be honest, Tucker Carlson didn't ask Donald Trump difficult questions when he interviewed him. Then I think that Inez is correct, that it's a puff piece. And Tucker Carlson is just playing us all for likes and clicks and money and donations. And he's not actually trying to get to the heart of the matter. He's just propagandizing because he knows that this is what you want to hear. Because let's be honest, the right, in my, in my view, has been uncomfortably pro-Putin in recent years. Uh, there was this uh, Lauren Whitsky character who is a Delaware Republican candidate for Senate who's out there like, I support Putin. Even that, uh, what's that, who's that one liberty retard who works for Ron Paul? Daniel McAdams. I came out specifically and said, I support Vladimir Putin. And it's like, you don't have to think, you don't have to say, you know, just because you don't agree with spending money to Ukraine doesn't mean you have to come out in full blown support of a murderous dictator like Vladimir Putin, right? And Putin is playing the American right like a fiddle at this point in time. Like, like he is playing to, to divide American politics perfectly. Like the the uh, propaganda that Russia puts out, I don't know if you've ever seen Russia today. I used to go and debate communists on that network all the time, so I understand how their media strategy works. It's perfectly situated to divide Americans. They used to give a lot of attention to Ron Paul, not because they believed in libertarianism, because I guarantee to you that Vladimir Putin does not believe in libertarianism or conservatism or limited government at all in the way that we do. 
but they used to give airtime to Ron Paul because Ron Paul was saying we should overthrow the American regime we should and and we should secede and the American government should break up and we should break up into smaller uh, little uh, states and the federal government should go away and Vladimir Putin's like that that would be good for me we would like to see that yes America should have civil war and go and all break up into republics so enemy my enemy kind of thing here so anyways if you want to look at things objectively you're in the right place if you want a bunch of dictator ass kissing if you want if you want a lot of right wing suck jobs you are in the wrong place because the wake up america show is a real libertarian show where nobody gets out alive no one is unscathed every politician answers difficult questions even if i like them and that's how we run the show are you in the right place good you don't like it get the out get the f out because there's no ass kissing that goes on here except for maybe javier malay <laughs> we are javier malay stands in this house although uh if i get a chance to interview him which might happen then if it does uh, i will also ask him difficult questions as well all right so Let's continue and hear from Tucker Carlson talking about his interview with Vladimir Putin, and we shall analyze. We're in Moscow tonight. We're here to interview the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin. We'll be doing that soon. There are risks to conducting an interview like this, obviously. So we've thought about it carefully over many months. Here's why we're doing it. First, because it's our job. We're in journalism. Our duty is to inform people. Two years into a war that's reshaping the entire world, most Americans are not informed. They have no real idea what's happening in this region, here in Russia or 600 miles away in Ukraine. But they should know. They're paying for much of it in ways they might not fully yet perceive. The war in Ukraine is a human disaster. It's left hundreds of thousands of people dead, an entire generation of young Ukrainians, and it's depopulated the largest country in Europe. Absolutely, good points, and we completely agree with Tucker on that. Camellia said, uh, was just talked about this last night. You don't have to be pro or con. You can be opposed to both sides. You don't have to support Putin to oppose Ukraine, FFSA, for F's sake. True. Uh, I like what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. had to say about this yesterday. He said, mainstream media journalists have interviewed Putin many times before. The only difference now is that they can't control the narrative. Zelensky has given numerous primetime interviews. Osama bin Laden has in, been interviewed before. We have a right to hear from everyone, no matter how you feel personally about them. RFK Jr., absolutely correct. <laughs> Will Run Riot says, I don't believe 99% of what's been said by our media about Putin. Well, you can be sure that if you ever watch or listen to Russia Today, which I highly recommend you do not listen to Russia Today, that 100% of what they say about Putin is BS, right? So the, my problem, I think, with the, the American libertarian movement is that it doesn't understand that like there are just because our government engages in psyops doesn't mean that foreign governments aren't always uh, aren't also engaging in psyops as well. Right. Foreign governments are absolutely engaging in psyops. The Chinese, the Russians, the North Koreans, like they are running active psyops. A lot of the, the media that you're going to consume in the alternative press that looks like it's normal news is not, right? It's, it's there to suit an agenda and suit a narrative. And foreign regimes who despise the American government and want to see the United States break up, they may sound like they're friendly to liberty or libertarianism in the United States, but only because they see that as an enemy of my enemy. I mean, they would kill American libertarians and classical liberals first, right, if they had the opportunity. You couldn't do a show like the Wake Up America show 
that I do here in the United States, you couldn't do that in Russia. If there was some governor of Moscow candidate who came on like Bill Igel, and I started asking him difficult questions and pushing back on him and saying, I think that's a stupid idea. What do you think would happen? Austin Peterson would be, well, FBI, open up. let's continue. But the long-term effects are even more profound. This war has utterly reshaped the global military and trade alliances. And the sanctions that followed have as well. And in total, they have upended the world economy. The post-World War II economic order, the system that guaranteed prosperity in the West for more than 80 years, is coming apart very fast, and along with it, the dominance of the U.S. dollar. These are not small changes. They are history-altering developments. They will define the lives of our grandchildren. Most of the world understands this perfectly well. They can see it. Ask anyone in Asia or the Middle East what the future looks like. And yet the populations of the English-speaking countries seem mostly unaware. They think that as nothing has really changed. And they think that because no one has told them the truth. Their media outlets are corrupt. They lie to their readers and viewers. And they do that mostly by omission. For example, since the day the war in Ukraine began, American media outlets have spoken to scores of people from Ukraine, and they've done scores of interviews with Ukrainian President Zelensky. We ourselves have put in a request for an interview with Zelensky, and we hope he accepts. But the interviews he's already done in the United States are not traditional interviews. They are fawning pep sessions specifically designed to amplify Zelensky's demand that the U.S. enter more deeply into a war in Eastern Europe and pay for it. Yeah, Tucker is absolutely right there, but it's a bit of a trap because if Tucker turns around and does the same kind of an interview with Vladimir Putin, then his hypocrisy will be laid bare. There's a lot riding on this interview for Tucker Carlson and his credibility. I mean, this is a big one. It's huge. Uh, and thank you to Rumble.com. I'm guessing that because of the hundreds of people who are joining us live that we are featured on the front page. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to have you here. Thank you to Rumble.com. Do me a favor, if you're enjoying the content today, click like and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to hear from you. Come back and join us every Monday through Friday. This show streams live. So it's a two-hour live Liberty Talk show, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We call this the Wake Up America show. And if you will see over in the live chat in the comments section, we have a very lively chat with a lot of very friendly people. So don't be shy. Drop a comment and introduce yourself. You can text the show anytime, night or day that you're listening to it uh, at 573, uh, 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586 is the text line. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, again, you can text us anytime, night or day and let us know what's on your mind. You can agree or disagree and I'll read your text anyway, as long as they don't contain too much profanity. Um, listeners are texting in. One person said they hate Apple headsets because it's Apple and it's expensive. Yes, it's true. <laughs> we are going to talk at 8.30 a.m. Central this morning about uh, to a tech entrepreneur by the name of Alex, who was getting attacked by uh, Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire for using Apple headsets. It's the end of civilization. You know, is it really the end of civilization or uh, is this the end of civilization? That is not journalism. It is government propaganda propaganda of the ugliest kind, the kind that kills people. At the same time, our politicians and media outlets have been doing this, promoting a foreign leader like he's a new consumer brand. Not a single Western journalist has bothered to interview the president of the other country involved in this conflict, Vladimir Putin. Most Americans have no idea why Putin invaded Ukraine. 
or what his goals are now. They've never heard his voice. That's wrong. Americans have a right to know all they can about a war they're implicated in. And we have the right to tell them about it because we are Americans too. Freedom of speech is our birthright. We were born with the right to say what we believe. Amen. That right cannot be taken away no matter who is in the White House. But they're trying anyway. Almost three years ago, the Biden administration illegally spied on our text messages and then leaked the contents to their servants in the news media. This is a huge, huge revelation that Tucker is talking about here. They did this in order to stop a Putin interview that we were planning. Last month, we're pretty certain they did exactly the same thing once again. But this time, we came to Moscow anyway. Mm. We are not here because we love Vladimir Putin. We are here because we love the United States. And we want it to remain prosperous and free. We paid for this trip ourselves. We took no money from any government or group. Nor are we charging people to see the interview. It is not behind a paywall. Anyone can watch the entire thing, shot live to tape and unedited, on our website, TuckerCarlson.com. Elon Musk, to his great credit, has promised not to suppress or block this interview once we post it on his platform, X, and we're grateful for that. Western governments, by contrast, will certainly do their best to censor this video on other less principled platforms because that's what they do. They are afraid of information they can't control. Absolutely correct. But you have no reason to be afraid of it. We are not encouraging you to agree with what Putin may say in this interview. Thank you. But we are urging you to watch it. You should know as much as you can. And then, like a free citizen and not a slave, you can decide for yourself. All right, so, so far, so good. Thanks. Me likey, yes, absolutely. We should hear from Tucker, we should hear from Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin when we hear this interview. There's a lot riding on this, but perhaps the biggest revelation of all was Tucker Carlson talking about his text messages that were hacked by the Biden administration in order to prevent an interview with Vladimir Putin a few years ago. That's news to me, and I'm pretty much staying up to date on all of the news so that I can inform, inform you here on the Wake Up America show. Had you ever heard that before? And now he's uh, essentially accusing them of doing it again to prevent that interview. That's huge. That's huge. We've got to go real quick. I'm going to go get Daniel DiMartino to talk about that immigration bill that the Republican Party scuttled yesterday. I think it gave the Republicans everything that they've been asking for. So why did they say no? We're going to talk to Daniel DiMartino about that when we get back from this very brief commercial break. we got some exciting news, too, I'm going to announce when I get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning. Welcome back. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. It's nice to see about a thousand people watching us live. What's up? Nice to see you. I'm pretty sure a lot of you are new to the show. So do us a favor. Click like and subscribe to the Wake Up America show and come back and join us five days a week, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. That's our schedule. It's a great way to start the day and stay informed. It's also good to enjoy with a delicious cup of coffee. And for those of you who are regulars to the show, you know we've got an amazing selection of delicious coffees that we sell at ap4libertyshop.com. Some of you are probably drinking it already. I'm drinking a little uh, Benjamin Franklin's Electric Elixir, but today we have an exciting new announcement because we have a brand new flavor of coffee at Founding Flavors you can get called Madisonian Morning. Thank you, thank you. James Madison, author of the Constitution, finally has his own flavor of coffee, and it is a five-star 
star premium light roast you can get exclusively at apforlibertyshop.com. Some of you are going to love it so much, I know you're going to sign up for the either two-week delivery, one-week delivery, two, three months. You can get it delivered to your door on the regs. Head over today, get yourself a box of Madisonian Morning, a delicious premium light roast, flavors of dried fruit and citrus. To start your day, there's no better way than Founding Flavors Coffee. Get it at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. There you go. Founding Flavors Coffee, new flavor today. Okay. Well, immigration is the flavor of the week. The question of whether or not we'll have a little bit of reform and whether we can have security on our southern border. You know what? I'm not an expert on these things. I'm just a talk show host. So I like to bring in experts like Daniel DiMartino, who's joining us live right now. He's from Venezuela, so he knows a thing or two about South American politics, and he's a graduate fellow at the Manhattan Institute. Good morning, Daniel. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Austin. Glad to have you here. Uh, Daniel, uh, fill us in here. This uh, Everything I'm reading on this border bill is contradicting. Republicans are saying it's the worst thing ever. Democrats are saying it's a good compromise. The Wall Street Journal article that I shared with you yesterday says, this is giving Republicans everything that they want, but Donald Trump says it's bad. Big picture here, your take on this immigration bill that may be dead on arrival? Yeah, well, let, I, what I did is I came without an opinion on this bill, and I actually read the bill, and at least just the immigration portion. The rest is just very long about Ukraine and Israel, and it has other things, right? Um, and what it says is that every migrant, the presumption is that they will be detained at the border while they await asylum screenings. That's not what happens today because that's not what the law says today. The law today in the United States says that even if you cross the U.S. southern border illegally, you have a legal right to claim asylum, be put in the courts, and take five to ten years because we don't have enough judges. This bill completely changes that, appropriates the resources to actually detain people, and then allows for their release only if they pass a really toughened up uh, asylum screening interview uh, under, under a higher standard, basically. Okay, so the, the, it does prevent people, like more immigration, right? It does provide for border security, but it also gives some concessions to the other side. What are the Republicans complaining about? What is Donald Trump's major beef with this bill then? Well, what some of the House Republicans at least have said specifically is that they want nobody to be released at all and everybody to be detained. And, you know, sure, certainly I, I would love that too. The issue is, you know, if you want to detain 300,000 people crossing the southern border a month, that means you need 300,000 places to detain them. Uh, how long is it going to take us to build those spaces, right? This is going to require money and time, uh, and this bill appropriates that money and time. Uh, you know, some people might say, well, we should we just arrest them and deport them back. But it's not that simple, actually. You can't deport non-Mexicans back to Mexico because it's not their country, <laughs> you know? So you can't deport the Mexicans. You can't deport everybody else. You need to appropriate money and fly them out to these other countries. Some of these countries don't take their citizens back immediately. You know, the reality is different in theory. I understand that. That makes sense. You can't deport someone back to Mexico if they're not from there. However, they did go through Mexico. One of the things that I've heard that was a very successful policy during the Trump years was this remain in Mexico uh, policy. 
And even the, this was kind of a, a diplomatic coup because Mexico had to agree to this and it's difficult to get concessions from them. Talk to us about this, because it, it seems as if that remain in Mexico you know, while you're applying for asylum status was a successful policy, but now it seems to have fallen apart under the Biden administration. Yes, there, there are two sides to this. One is what you mentioned, that you know, in order for Remain in Mexico to come back into place, you need to have Mexico's agreement. Uh, and Mexico right now would be facing a much larger number of people being left in their territory just because of the larger flow. So the situation is already different than during Trump's presidency because Biden let it get this bad. Uh, so Mexico is unlikely to agree to say, you know, keeping maybe a contingent of a million non-citizens on, on their side of the border. Um, and then on the other hand, uh, you have the issue that if you let them stay in Mexico and then cross illegally through another port of entry instead of being detained in the U.S. and, and you know, not being able to leave, then you have the problem that surely they'll sign up for remaining in Mexico and then they'll try to cross elsewhere and try to evade detection instead of turning themselves in. So so it's there's no perfect solution. You know, in an ideal world, we would have enough detention space, like say countries like Australia or, or Canada do, that when somebody crosses their border illegally, they're detained, and then they, they await until they have their actual full asylum interview. And if they pass, they're admitted, they're an asylum seeker. And if they're rejected, they're immediately deported. That's what this bill tries to achieve, but you know, you need they appropriate the money and it takes some time to actually get there. Now, Daniel, there's an immigration question here, but there's also a national security question, as I'm reading the reports, that a significant number of the people who are crossing the border into the United States are Chinese nationals. Is that the case? Uh yes, yeah, so there, there's about, you know, several thousand a month. It's maybe like, you know, five to ten percent of the people crossing. Yeah. And I mean uh, in terms of national security, you know, Joe Biden is saying that he doesn't have the legitimate lawful authority to secure the border. It would seem that on national security grounds, he does. Am I off base or? It, it depends on what you mean by closing the border, right? That's what everybody says. The president can just close the border, right? But what does that mean? What happens if somebody shows up? They're arrested and they're deported. Do you need money from Congress to deport them? Uh, otherwise, you can deport them. And by the way, China does not accept Chinese citizens back to be deported very easily. It's a problem the Trump administration had. I've had these discussions even with Ken Cuccinelli. And China does not want its Chinese citizens back. So what do you do about that? Uh, so so it, this is a foreign policy question as well, because you need to try to persuade these other countries. Venezuela recently, the dictator Maduro, threatened Biden that if they sanction Venezuela back, they're not going to take Venezuelans deported back to the country. So, so this is getting increasingly complex because the illegal immigration of today is not the illegal immigration of 20 years ago. It's not just Mexicans anymore. It's people from all over the world. Are you following this story? This is kind of a breaking news story, Daniel, so I, I won't blame you if you're not up to speed on it. But this was um, a story that came out a few days ago about a hidden room at the Atlanta airport. A lawmaker says that a whistleblower tipped him off to this. This is a hidden room holding migrants at the Atlanta airport. I mean, certainly this is a big concern, especially with the potential for human trafficking, is it not? Yes, I did. Uh, I did see that video. Um, you know, my, my concern is that you have to understand that when people show up at the airport, at least on customs and immigration, I don't know where this room specifically was within the airport. That's not something special to know. People sometimes are stowaways on planes. And then they go through immigration after they arrive from abroad, especially at the Atlanta airport, which is 
I think one of the largest airports by traffic in the world. Um, and they're detained by customs, uh, you know, enforcement right there at the airport until we can sort out if they can be legally admitted or have to be sent back by plane. So, so it could be just that or it could be something else. Daniel, one of the questions that people frequently ask is who is paying for all of this, right? Because it, it's not if these people are so poor and destitute uh, uh, that they have to flee South American countries, this is not an easy trip. That, you know, it's it's an expensive trip. They've got to pay for food and water along the way. Somebody is funding all of this. I've heard rumors of Catholic charities that are stepping in, non-governmental organizations, the United Nations. I've heard rumors of them getting uh, gift cards that are handed to them by the cartels. Who's paying for all of this massive wave of immigration that's coming across our southern border? Well, the cartels are certainly not paying for it. They're profiting from it. <laughs> I don't think they will spend money on them, right? They, they want to get the money from them. Uh, look, it's not true that it's all poor and destitute people. Um, it's it's what you mentioned. It's expensive to get here, especially the people who are not from South America or Central America. Those are people who have several thousand dollars enough saved so that they can buy a plane ticket, usually to Ecuador, because Ecuador doesn't have visa requirements with almost any country, and then they make the trip to the U.S. In fact, if you wanted to just cut off the non-Latin American illegal immigration, we just need to persuade Ecuador to put a visa requirement on other countries. It's that easy, especially for Africans and Chinese. Um, and so, you know, that you have that, and then the people from South America, they usually work on the way. So the trip doesn't take you know, several days or or a couple of weeks, as it should do if you did it continuously, it takes several months uh, as they work in Panama to make some money, then they work in Costa Rica and make some money. But it's certainly not the, the people who are starving. The, the people who are starving can't afford to leave their countries. Daniel, what is an ideal situation here? I mean, it, we have to account for national security. We have to account for uh, for people who have private property, who own land on the Texas border. I was telling a story just yesterday about a gentleman who is, uh, you know, has to protect his 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 property because uh, uh, the the coyotes are burning down trees and ripping down his fences so that they can get through. I mean, what's an ideal situation here? Do you think that a, does Donald Trump have a good point that we probably should have a secure border that includes up to and including a wall in order to have a national security and to have orderly immigration into this country? Yeah, you know, we 100% need to stop illegal immigration. The question is how, right? Not, not, not whether we should. Um, and, and I think that there are different solutions. Whatever the solution is, we need to have more detention space along the southern border. We definitely need more physical barriers so that people don't evade capture. That's a lot more physical barriers. But then that that also gets into trouble with the private property owners that you talk about because that requires expropriating part of their land, which is also a violation of their property. Um, and so so it gets tricky. I understand. I think the government does have the right to do so in this case. Um, but you know, there's also a lot of government waste. You know, but it's it's a cost that's worth incurring. Um, and after we do that, we have to detain people and we have to decide: Are we going to have even a right to asylum across the southern border? Many countries don't. And then they just are detained and everybody's sent back. We could do that. It will cost more money, but we could. Um, and then we need to have a strong legal system too. And what I mean a strong legal system is this southern border discussion has taken all the air out of the real immigration discussion that matters, which is the immigrants that come here to create businesses and who are highly paid and who can make our economy grow. 
Uh, and that's not what's happening on the southern border, but it's what we should allow to happen through our airports and through our companies that would make America, you know, continue to grow and innovate uh, as it used to. Understandable. Daniel D. Martino joining us live right now on the show. He is a graduate fellow at Manhattan Institute. Um, hey, real quick before I let you go, uh, I p- apparently you appeared in uh, an interview with John Stossel where you were talking about Argentina's new president, Javier Malay. We're big fans of his here on the Wake Up America show. Um, tell us a little bit about what you and Stossel were talking about in that interview. Give us a little preview. Yeah, of course. You know, the what happened is that he just got through the, the lower house of Congress in Argentina, uh, his main omnibus bill. This is the bill that will actually allow the firing of tens of thousands of government employees, the bill that will allow the repeal of so many of these regulations that are keeping Argentina down, of simplification of bureaucratic procedures, of legalizing private uh, oil and gas exploration, uh, of you know pr- privatizing all the state companies, uh, including like phones and railroads, all of these things. It's really impressive, I think, what he's able to do. And he's able to do it because he's popular, because Argentina got in such a bad spot that people got tired and they said, you know, we're just going to vote for the crazy guy who's going to fix everything. Uh, you know, And, you know, they got lucky. They got a guy who's a nerd. Uh, I think he's, he's a good nerd in that he knows what he's doing. Uh, he knows economics. And that's what Argentina needs. Argentina was destroyed by socialists, the same people that destroyed the country I'm from, Venezuela. Um, and thankfully, they didn't lose their democracy yet, and he was able to get elected. That's good stuff. Daniel, send us that clip. We'll definitely play it on the show. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners or plug before we let you go? Well, you know, I have an organization called the Dissident Project. We send immigrants who lived in authoritarian countries to speak at high schools at no cost. So if anybody here is a teacher uh, or you want to support us, go to dissidentproject.org. And you can bring in somebody from North Korea, from Cuba, from Iran, from Zimbabwe and speak to your high school kids and tell their story of why America is great at no cost to you. Yeah, you should probably get a few um, uh, rejects from California as well to let them let them know in other countries what it's like to live in a (laughs) dictatorship. Uh, Daniel DiMartino, thank you for your time today. We appreciate you standing up for freedom and proposing some reasonable solutions to this immigration crisis. Uh, We hope to have you back on the show and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. What do you guys think of Daniel DiMartino? Great interview, eh? We need some level-headed approaches to the problem of our southern border, and certainly Daniel DiMartino seems to be proposing some. I don't know if this border bill that the that is coming across that's supposedly dead in the water is the solution, but I can tell you right now, the truth is, is that when Donald Trump became president in 2016, it didn't even require him to have any new legislation for people to know that our immigration laws would be enforced for the numbers of immigrants to be reduced. That The question is whether or not we will actually enforce the laws in this country. Not to say that the laws are necessarily good laws. Who was that rock and roll singer one time who's saying, uh, who had a famous quote, he says, the United States is a nation of laws, randomly written and badly enforced. <laughs> But if we have good laws on the books that protect our national security, that allow for an orderly migration process to the United States for people who want to come here legally, then those laws should be enforced. But the Democrats have created a lawless society where anyone who can who wants to come here, whether or not you want to come here to do harm or do good, we have no uh, ability to know who you are. And that's why when I ran for office, 
Despite my being a libertarian and being generally pro-immigration, I always said that an Ellis Island-style approach should be implemented for the 21st century. That means a health screening, a security check, a disease check, and then you're done. If you can pass a citizenship test, and if you can pass a security check, and if you can pass a check to ensure that you're not carrying some infectious disease like the China Koof and bringing it into our country, then yes, you should be allowed to come to the United States and apply for, I said apply, for citizenship. But I am you know, listening more and more to people like Victor Davis Hanson these days, whose argument about citizenship being a privilege as something that's correct. And it reminds me a little bit of Starship Troopers, where in that sort of dystopian, utopian society that they had created, the book, not just the movie, there was this idea that in order to be a citizen, to vote, you had to be a citizen. And in order to be a citizen, you had to actually contribute to society. Our founding fathers believed in that. And the reason why we know this is because it used to be that only male landowners were able to vote here in the United States. <laughs> You're laughing, but the United States was not founded as a democracy. So really ask yourself this, should you be allowed to vote if you are a net tax re receiver versus a net taxpayer? That would mean that pretty much the entire state of Missouri would not be allowed to vote because, well, Missouri is on the dole. What's wrong with these red states that are all net receivers of federal taxpayer dollars rather than net givers? At the end of the day, nobody should be on the dole from the federal government, the state government, or otherwise. We should be relying on our communities, our families, our friends, our neighbors, and our churches to step up and to handle the problems that society uh, poses, whether it's an immigration crisis, or whether it's a crisis of faith, or the lack thereof, or whether the crisis in our communities is uh, dealing with a, a mother who has an unexpected pregnancy, these are not problems for the government to fix. These are problems for our culture and our society to fix. But people say, oh, well, our culture doesn't, uh, our culture is corrupt and it can't solve the problem, so we have to have the government doing, doing it. It's because the government is doing it that our culture has become corrupted. And then it's, it becomes this self-defeating dynamic to suggest that we need more government solutions to problems that government created in the first place. The problem is the government. Am I correct? Horatia <laughs> says, does AP understand that legal immigrants vote overwhelmingly Democrat? We have enough people. That's actually not true, Horatius. Many conservative, social conservative uh, uh, Mexicans, you know, Latinas and Latinos and Hispanics come across the border and are very conservative and, and they do vote Republican. Take, for example, Cubans. Cubans overwhelmingly vote Republican. So it depends on who you're talking about here, bud. You've got to be a little bit more specific. Um, love to hear your thoughts on this one. And I promise you that everything I say or do will offend you. Welcome to the Wake Up America show, all 1,500 of you. Click like and subscribe to the Wake Up America show. We'd love to have you come back here and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time on the Wake Up America show. We've got a lot of exciting things happening today with brand new coffee flavor. I know Camelia's ears are perking up. She loves the coffee. It's a Madisonian morning. Introducing our brand new flavor of Founding Flavors Coffee, Madisonian morning. It's another light roast, which means heavy, heavy caffeine. It's a lively symphony of flavors bursting with the boldness of dried fruit, citrus notes, and a zesty twist symbolizing the energetic debates that shaped our nation 
Energize your day with a Madisonian morning and awaken to the brilliance of a true Republican brew. Yes, small R Republican. Small R Republicans, that's right. So do me a favor, head over to AP4 Liberty Shop, do yourself a favor and get yourself a box of Madisonian morning light roast. So the way that I determined which coffees would make the cut is I got a huge sample box of all of these different beans, tasted them all, and I went through for a matter of weeks, very meticulously, tasting them every single day, and then giving them a number of stars based on how delicious they were. Madisonian Morning got five stars as a delicious light roast. So visit ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. Get yourself a box of Madisonian Morning. It's our brand new flavor available today at ap4libertyshop.com. Judge Napolitano will be joining us here in about five minutes. We're going to talk to the judge about um, the... What are we going to talk to the judge about, Austin? Hey, where's that on the show? Oh, uh, Donald Trump's legal woes. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he's going to go to a jury trial. Yeah, it's, it's just such a nightmare. We're going to talk to him about that. Um, Donald Trump's legal woes in about five minutes. But FYI, we have got a lot of great specials going on over at the shop. The Afuera hoodies, for example, if you want to get a free sticker, put the Afuera hoodie and the sticker, the Afuera sticker in your cart. Use the promo code Viva Las Tetas. And if you do, then you're going to get um, that Afuera ho- um, uh, sticker for free. If you get the Afuera hoodie over at AP4LibertyShop.com, that's AP, the number four, AP4LibertyShop.com. Oh, and by the way, we do have our debunking episode that's going to happen today. If we raise $50 by the end of the show, if we raise $50 by the end of the show, then guess what? We are going to give you an awesome three-minute little, apparently, essentially a mini documentary uh, about the not so wild wild west this week we've been doing a mythbusters episode for all of our bonus content so if you'd like to see the bonus content today make a donation if we raise 50 dollars by the end of the show i will you will unlock the bonus content and today we are debunking the myths of the wild west which is a good one very interesting for those who are interested in liberty and anarcho-capitalism all right judge andrew napolitano is coming back in just three to four minutes we're going to talk to the judge about donald trump's legal woes so stick around don't go away we'll be right back on the wake up america show go shopping while we're uh, on commercial break on the wake up america show at wakeupamericashow.com good morning rise and freedom i'm austin peterson you're watching and listening to the wake up america show at wakeupamericashow.com glad to have you here click that like button and subscribe to the channel Many of you of the thousands of people who are watching, thanks to Rumble. Appreciate you, Rumble. Thanks for putting us out there on the front page. Of the thousands of people who are watching us live right now, I imagine that might have been your first time seeing our delicious Founding Flavors coffee commercial. Very excited to announce today the launch of our brand new flavor, Madisonian Mornings. Yes, for the father of the Constitution, a delicious coffee that you can get exclusively at AP4LibertyShop.com. Now, I know many of you are big time caffeine addicts like myself. Well, it's a light roast, which means more caffeine. So (laughs) if you're an addict, then Madisonian Mornings should definitely be your new go-to. Get it at AP, the number four, AP. 
forlibertyshop.com. My next guest, well, he's Italian. You'd think that he'd enjoy a nice hearty cup of coffee in the mornings, but I think he only drinks the occasional espresso. Joining us now, uh, alive on the show for our Wednesday Big Brain Times is the host of the Judging Freedom podcast and my good friend, Judge Andrew Napolitano, who had two million, over two million views of his show last week. Congratulations and good morning, Judge. Oh, thank you. And good morning, Ross. And I had two shots of espresso at seven o'clock this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Not that you need a judge. You've always been so chipper and sprightly, and we're glad and thankful for it because the message of liberty is one that should lift us up and give us cheerfulness and reasons to be joyful. Even in dark times like these, Judge, it's always been great to hear your laugh and to see your zest and zeal for these principles and this cause that we share. So thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I love these Wednesday mornings. Me too, Judge. They're so refreshing, like a drink of water uh, in the desert. Tell us, Judge, about Donald Trump's legal woes, because every week there's a new problem that Donald Trump seems to face. He's having to pay tens of millions of dollars to fight all these legal challenges, despite being the presumptive nominee for the Republican Party and the possible president of the United States again next year. He's got more problems than just about anybody in this country. This Manhattan hush money case, for example, he it it's now poised to make history because it's the first criminal case against a former president to be heard by a jury. What are the implications of this? All right. So uh, Donald Trump has three very, very pressing uh, legal problems. I'll take them in the opposite order of their immediacy. Uh, yesterday suffered a crushing blow when a three-judge panel of the Federal Appeals Court in Washington, D.C. ruled unanimously uh, that presidents do not enjoy immunity from prosecution for crimes alleged to have been committed while they were president. Uh, A brilliant, uh, historically sound, almost epic opinion, the type of opinion that will appear for law students and legal scholars to study for many, many years, I'd be quite surprised if the Supreme Court interferes with it. The practical effect of that is his January 6th case is now uh, back on track. The stay uh, imposed by the court uh, has been lifted. His only hope is to go to the Supreme Court, which ordinarily does not get involved in cases like this. It will say, why should we hear this appeal? Because you might very well be acquitted and then we'd be ruling in a vacuum. So if you're convicted, come back to us, but we probably won't hear the appeal now. Just my opinion as to where it's going to go. Uh, the uh, opinion is is so sound, it's just inassailable and it's devastating to the president. Rejected his argument that you have to, he has to be impeached before he can be tried for a crime. Rejected his argument that he can order the assassination of someone while he's in the White House and not be prosecuted for it uh, afterwards, rejected his argument that immunity that the president enjoys stays with the former president for the rest of his life. Okay, that's issue number one. Issue number two is a judge in Manhattan was about to release his opinion on the $370 million claim against the Trump organization when two things happened. One, the monitor who is monitoring the Trump organization appointed by this judge, the monitor is a retired federal judge. She discovered a $48 million phantom debt in the Trump organization books. Now, what's a phantom debt? 
Well, it shows a debt which you can offset against income to reduce your uh, your taxable income, except that it wasn't real. It was it was phantom that caused the judge who was about to issue his opinion to have to rewrite it, obviously pushing up the three hundred and seventy million dollar number. At the same time that happened, one of Trump's key witnesses in that case, his former CFO, Alan Weisselberg, acknowledged that he committed perjury in that case to the judge's face in the judge's courtroom. And that, of course, will result in discounting his testimony and in rewriting the opinion. So expect that ruling to come out and expect that award to be greater than $370 million. The number is very important because Forbes magazine uh, has a team that uh, tracks uh, Trump's wealth and uh, expenditures. I don't know how they do this, but they claim to be able to do it. They say his liquid assets are $400 million. A staggering number. But he owes E. Jean Carroll $83 million, and he's about to owe the state of New York uh, something north of $370 million. Staggering uh, for him. These cannot be discharged in bankruptcy, and they cannot be paid by a political action committee or uh, a campaign. Now, the, the third issue that you raise, which was the sleeper and is now to, uh, about to become the, the star of the show, uh, is what everybody assumed was the runt of the litter, the weakest case against him, which is the uh, the alleged bookkeeping uh, errors, disguising political donations as ordinary can as as ordinary business expenditures, uh, is about to go to trial on uh, March twenty fifth. Uh, he faces five years in jail for this. It's unlikely that he would go to jail for it could very well go to jail for the January 6th case and for Mar-a-Lago and for Georgia. It is unlikely he'd go to jail for the one in New York. But this will force him to be present in a courtroom for the entire trial. You cannot, the defendant cannot waive his presence in the courtroom under New York state law. Uh, and that, of course, will crimp his campaign style radically. Judge, I, I mean, this is... Is this truly frightening in, in some ways? Because I'm sure you're familiar with the term lawfare. It, it would seem yeah. as if this is the definition of such, because what is he truly accused of here? I mean, we're not talking about the types of crimes that libertarians like you and I would would say are legitimate crimes. Certainly in the civil case, you know, he lost because she claims he raped him. He lost the, the they lost the criminal case but won the civil case. Okay, fine. That's, that's completely separate. But on the, in these other issues, I mean, he's in trouble for saying it was, uh, you know, two and a two, you know, two bedrooms, two and a half baths when it was really two bedrooms, three baths. And then in this other case where, where he's accused of putting his, you know, putting the books in the wrong place of the hush money for a prosecutor, these are not crimes, at least according to the definition of how you and I feel. I mean, it, it seems as if the left is in this way, turning him into a martyr. And from a political perspective, it seems as if it's it's helping his campaign rather than hindering him. It, well, he's you... he's handling it brilliantly from a political uh, perspective. He is not handling it br brilliantly from a legal perspective. He often does not have uh, first rate lawyers. He offer, often suffers from uh, second rate uh, lawyering. Um, I don't want to get into the personality of the lawyers, but it seems that sometimes they are chosen for reasons other than 
than their legal skills. But you're right. I mean, I mean, to you and me, to most people listening to us now, the only legitimate criminal laws uh, are those which uh, protect life and property and, and natural rights. Now, we don't have that in this country. We have 5,500 federal criminal statutes. The Constitution only authorizes two. Um, multiply those numbers by each of the 50 states and the District of Columbia, and it's impossible for any person to understand uh, all of the uh, crimes that a, a person could be ensnared as having committed. The, um, uh, the bookkeeping case is a little bit more serious than you have made it out to be, even from a neutral perspective, because it has to do with lying under oath. Um, the uh, E. Jean Carroll case, he had a superb, superb trial lawyer in Joe Tacopina, one of the best cross-examiners I've ever seen. Uh, the charge was rape or sexual assault. They acquitted him on rape, but convicted him of sexual assault. I don't want to get into the difference because this is a family show and it's, it's early uh, in the morning. Uh, it's still a very serious matter. Not a crime now. She never went to the police. This stuff allegedly occurred in the 90s. She can't even give a date. But the legislature of the state of New York, in its wisdom, uh, opened up the statute of limitations for two years for adult survivors of uh, sexual assault and allowed anybody to sue uh, anybody else, no matter how specious uh, or, or poorly grounded uh, the, uh, the litigation was. In this case, the jury believed about 90% of what this woman told her. And then the second jury, which assessed the defamation case, that's the one that whacked him for 83 million dollars five million dollars for one spoken defamation 11 million dollars for another spoken defamation and 65 million dollars in punitive uh damages so it is it is the legal system run amok i've never really seen anything like this and we haven't even uh, gotten to the cases that are the weightiest which are the two federal cases the one in uh florida for the mar-a-lago documents and then the one uh in dc for january 6th the one that is now back on track after the appellate ruling yesterday so trump is going to have to appear in court during this jury trial how does one how does he campaign when will this happen you know that's two and then three can he even get an unbiased jury in a world where he has 100 percent universal name id and of a jury, how do they even select a jury that could possibly be unbiased? Well, in New York, unfortunately, the lawyers select the jury. Uh, they cajole, charm, and question the potential jurors. The better system is the federal system, the New Jersey system. I don't know what it is in Missouri where you are, where the judge selects the jury. So the job of selecting is to weed out bias prejudice, interest in the outcome. Uh, you're not going to find 12 people that never heard of him. If they never heard of him, somebody never heard of Donald Trump, you don't want them on the jury. They're, they're in, living in another world. But you do want 12 people who will say under oath, I can truly be fair. I can evaluate this evidence as if it were uh, John Smith, uh, an unknown person to me. It doesn't matter to me that he is the former president and that he's running for president. If they say that 
uh, sincerely and under oath, and you as the judge believe it, then you put them in the jury pool. You find about 60 people like this, and then you let the uh, lawyers exercise their their challenges. You can challenge a person for, uh, well, you have what's called a peremptory challenge. You can challenge them without stating a reason. Then you have a challenge for cause where you have to give the reason, and eventually you whittle it down to 12. It's not an easy process. It can, be, it can take a few days. In death penalty cases, which thanks be to God, are fewer and fewer in the U.S. It can take weeks uh, to pick uh, 12 truly uh, neutral people. The numbers on the Wake Up America show live stream just keep climbing and climbing. I bet I know why. My current guest, Judge Andrew Napolitano, is here. He's the host of the Judging Freedom podcast himself, which you can download on any of your mobile devices. Every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Central, he joins us here on the show do us a favor, and if you're enjoying what you're hearing, these conversations that happen every Wednesday at this time, click like and subscribe and come back and join us here. Set an appointment on your calendar for our regular discussion. We call this big brain time because this is when the judge and I get into the nitty gritty of the big issues, not just the news, but the philosophy behind the politics, because we are both big believers in the ideas of libertarianism and the judge and i have been friends for quite some time so do click like and subscribe and come back and join us here on the regs so trump seems to be headed towards a situation where as you and i have noted in previous interviews a potential constitutional crisis could arise many people who are tuning in here today judge are probably hearing this conversation for the first time and they haven't heard us talk about the constitutional crisis your belief is, and I imagine it's probably unchanged, maybe it has changed, your belief is that if Trump is sentenced to any sort of jail time, that the Supreme Court would likely issue a stay? Well, uh, you know, I can't answer that yes or no. If, if he's sentenced to federal jail time and is elected president, uh, he he would attempt to pardon himself or he would instruct his attorney general to move to, um, um, uh, I don't even know what the word would be because it's after, after a conviction, to undo the conviction, or he would ask a court to put all this aside while he's president of the United States. If he sends to jail time in a state system, the feds cannot interfere with that. I don't know what would happen. That, that's virgin uh, legal territory. That would be a crisis. A crisis is when you have a constitutional crisis is when you have two values underlying the Constitution clashing with each other. So one value would be the sovereignty of the states to prosecute those within their states who violated the law uh, uninterfered with by the feds. The other value would be the right of the people to have the person they lawfully elected as president to serve. Uh, as president of the United States, that would be uh, a real constitutional crisis if he were convicted in New York or Georgia state courts and sentenced to incarceration in a New York or Georgia uh, facility and then were to be uh, elected president. There are people who have been elected to office while in jail. Uh, and Norman Thomas, the socialist leader who had, shouldn't have been shouldn't have been in jail at all. Um, ran for president while in jail against Woodrow Wilson and got over a million votes. He didn't get any electoral college votes, but and he couldn't campaign. 
but the socialist movement was um, uh, burgeoning in that er era, and people wanted to express their dismay for his incarceration, so they voted for him. Judge, your uh, weekly column at judgenap.com comes out every Thursday. I like to call it required reading for people who don't believe that anything should be required <laughs> other than protecting liberty. <laughs> your weekly column is always enlightening. Uh, this week you were talking about the hearings that social media companies were uh, were drawn to Capitol Hill for last week, where Mark Zuckerberg was publicly berated by senators for creating a product that even Mark Zuckerberg admittedly said he was sorry for, that it had harmed children. Um, but your piece this week says that it was wrong for them to be forced to come in front of Congress and to be publicly berated. Can you explain it for us? Well, the First Amendment, uh, which guarantees that Congress shall make no law interfering with the freedom of speech, also guarantees the opposite of free of speech, which is silent. Uh, and even though it says Congress shall make no law today, that means no government shall do anything uh, to infringe upon the freedom of speech. So the Congress has no business compelling people to come and speak before it at all, uh, particularly in an area that is not federal. Listen, my heart breaks when a child uh, commits suicide or when and a child is harmed uh, in any way. But that is not a federal issue. It is not in the Constitution. Uh, there's nothing in the Constitution about safety. It expressly was reserved for the states. You, you talk about Madison Coffee. Well, Madison uh, wrote the Constitution with that value judgment in mind. Huge areas of human behavior and governance expressly excluded from the feds. One of them was safety. If anything, the Constitution guarantees liberty, not safety. So is it any business? Uh, of the senators that these children killed themselves? Well, they don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about limited government. They don't care about the parents who want the feds to do what the parents failed to do, which is control their children's viewing uh, habits and appetites, because the senators just want to get the same reason they do anything reelected. Judges, and I was furious yeah, when I saw ahead. them. I'm not a fan of. Uh, particularly a fan of Mark uh, Zuckerberg, and I've had my own problems with the big tech. You have as well. You challenge the government, and big tech, which is in bed with the government, uh, will uh, punish you for it. But big tech is a private bulletin board. They can take me down if they want. I respect that. Uh, the government can't interfere with that. The government can't tell them what to post on, their, on that uh, bulletin board. And the government can't interfere with free speech. If the government could interfere with free speech, it would reward the speech of its patrons and punish the speech of its adversaries. The very thing the First Amendment was written to prohibit, absolutely. It seems as if that's what's happening at the moment, Judge, because if you had a pro-government view during the pandemic, for example, the social media institutions would lift up those voices at the behest, at the behest of government, right? Not doing it on their own. I'm sure they probably would have done it on their own, but then they would actually remove and suppress voices like mine and yours who questioned the government narrative during the pandemic. And they did this because they were told specifically to do so. Now, there has been a lawsuit, Missouri versus Biden, which has morphed into a new case that is headed to the Supreme Court. And the question of whether or not the government will be prevented from talking to social media companies, I guess, is at stake here, Judge. So 
what what should happen? What should the Supreme Court decide when it hears this case regarding the role, the interaction between government and social media? What should be the 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 best outcome for people like us who believe in liberty? The same outcome has occurred in the uh, Circuit Court of Appeals, which is an absolute impenetrable wall. Uh, between the government and uh, and social media, because the government here using a carrot or a stick, you know, uh, suppress this speech and we'll go easy on you. Don't suppress this speech and a swarm of bureaucrats will go through uh, your books looking for every undotted I and misplaced uh, comma. That is the government doing indirectly through a third party what it can't do directly, and that is infringing upon speech. There's no question uh, but that this is, a, is an enormous infringement uh, upon uh, free speech, uh, using a carrot and a, or a stick uh, with which to do so. Uh, I'm confident that the Supreme Court will uphold uh, the Fifth Circuit uh, and prevent this from going on further. And it doesn't matter, <clears throat> Austin, who's in the White House. Most of this happened in the Trump administration. Some of it happened. I don't, I don't blame Donald Trump personally any more than I blame Joe Biden personally. Uh, most of it happened in the Trump administration. Some of it happened in the Biden administration. Some of it is still going on now. Uh, a judge in Texas enjoined uh, the Department of Homeland Security from communicating with big tech other than on technical matters. The Fifth Circuit upheld that injunction. The Supreme Court vacated the injunction while it, the Supreme Court, uh, here's the case, but I believe that that injunction will permanently uh, be will be put in place permanently once the Supreme Court rules. Judge, who do you have uh, coming up on your excellent and wildly popular show, Judging Freedom? So I have uh, three people. That I've had two of my heavy hitters this week already. We did uh, Colonel uh, Douglas McGregor from a cell phone in an airport, and he had two hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, views in the next 24 hours. And Scott Ritter was on yesterday. He's up to about 200,000 already. Today, I have Phil Giraldi, former uh, CIA, who exposes uh, what the government doesn't want us to hear, particularly what is intel telling Joe Biden about what's happening in Gaza and what's happening in Ukraine. I have Aaron Matei, a very interesting young man that you would uh, enjoy getting to know, a Canadian journalist uh, who is fiercely uh, anti-war and makes it his business to expose what the Netanyahu government does not want exposed. And then I have the great uh, professor uh, Jeffrey Sachs at Columbia uh, University. Uh, does Israel realize it's destroying itself? Those uh, are at 3, 4, and 5 o'clock uh, Eastern today. Your show had how many millions of views last week? Uh, 2.1 million views last week, which was a record even for us. I'm, I'm overwhelmed uh, and deeply gratified uh, by these numbers. We are becoming the go-to place uh, for uh, anti-war, uh, pro-peace, serious conversations. He's the Ron Paul of our times, Judge Andrew Napolitano making liberty popular. Judge, thank you for your time, and I look forward to speaking to you again next Wednesday. Uh, you got it, Austin. All the best to you and to yeah. your viewers and listeners. Thank you very much. What do you think of Judge Andrew Napolitano? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's the text line right down there.
573-319-1586. If you're enjoying these conversations, make sure that you click like and subscribe to the channel. With 1,600 people, we should be able to get 100 likes on the show, wouldn't you say? Come on. My next guest who will be joining me here in just a few minutes, Alex Finn, was getting raked over the coals of the Daily Wire. He's a tech entrepreneur. Uh, he'll be joining us here in just a few minutes. He's a big fan of the Apple headsets. He was getting ripped by the Daily Wire. Take a listen. Hey, guys, real quick. I want to address something here. Who's this Brett Cooper character from Daily Wire? Isn't that Ben Shapiro, the, the rapper's channel? She started talking shit about me in front of 200,000 people and 4 million subscribers. Th this is crazy. So she goes on and starts shitting on me. She starts shitting on the Apple Vision Pro, the most revolutionary piece of technology ever created. Sorry, she said some really some mean words. things. Let's listen to it. Damn things on your head is a sign that you have finally given Don't know who this Matt Walsh guy is. Isn't coming back, is he? Jesus isn't coming back, is he, with my video? This guy said using TikTok on Apple Vision This Pro. guy, my name's right there. I want to show you what the TikTok is. It's a great video. Like the Apple Vision Pro. It's important we know what the uh, TikTok experience is like. Uh, consume as much TikTok content as I want at any given time. That's literally my nightmare. That is absolutely horrifying. This is your nightmare? Is I'm living your nightmare? Multiple TikTok accounts is not good for your mental health. I would know I have. This isn't good for my mental health, Brett Cooper. My mental health has never been better. Your mental health sucks. I have great mental health. You're nuts. Brett Cooper, here's your issue. You've never experienced the Apple Vision Pro. You've never put it on your head. You don't know what it's like to play Fortnite and have two TikTok talks going at the the exact same time over here so uh, brett cooper until you can be doing this playing fortnite and having five TikToks go at the same time i don't want to hear it about apple vision pro i don't want to hear you talking shit you can save it you know if you're going to talk shit say it to my face say it to my face with the apple vision pro on instead of going on daily wire and talking shit screw off <laughs> alex finn uh, he's got a bit of a potty mouth, though. He's going to be joining us here in just a few minutes. He's going to talk to us about the Apple Pro and getting pooped all over by the Daily Wire uh, just because he wants to watch his TikToks on the Apple Vision Pro headset. Have you seen people walking around with the Apple Vision Pro on their heads and everybody's like, oh, my God, it's the end of society. It's the end. It's the fall of civilization. People are walking around with the Apple Vision Pro on their heads. Wait, hold on. Here's here's a video. Like, let's let's just scroll through Twitter here real quick. You can see here. Look, oh, there's somebody like not driving the Cybertruck, right? So it's completely hands free. They're driving the Cybertruck. They've got the Apple Vision Pro. Honestly, I'm jealous. OK, I wish I had that kind of money. Right? You see people walking around. She's got the Apple Vision Pro headset on. Oh, gosh, that's um, nearly, thank God, she wasn't actually naked. But <laughs> uh, that's what you get for scrolling in real time there. People wear, look, the Simpsons predicted it, apparently. The Simpsons did it with Apple Vision Pro. <laughs> Where's the audio on this one? I guess it's not going to play. All right. The Simpsons apparently predicted Apple Vision Pro. Good morning, Rise in Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Of all of the thousands of people who are watching us live right now, I have to say thank you. First to rumble.com. When Rumble puts us on the front page like that, obviously the numbers blow up. So I imagine that for most of you who are watching right now, you're like, who is this guy? You have no idea who I am. Well, I'm Austin Peterson. 
You're watching the Wake Up America show. We stream the show live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. If you're interested in economic freedom, personal liberty, if you like technology, if you like jokes, you're in the right place. So when you subscribe, make sure that you set a calendar appointment and come back and join us in the mornings. It's a really friendly crew. If you drop a comment over in the live chat, who knows what friends you can make. Some people have made real, sincere, actual, real-life friends from people they've met in the comments section. We, we like to make a nice, healthy community. You know who you are. All right, so the text lines are open, 573-319-1586. And Mighty Megatron drops a couple bucks in the tip jar. Oh, thank you, sir. He wants me to ask Alex, my next guest, who's coming on in just a moment, this question. He says, ask Alex if he'll have the balls to wear that nice, expensive gear in cities like New York City or Portland or Chicago. Can't wait to see the diversity in cities robbing these in vids. Okay, that's racist. Stop it. <laughs> my next guest, Alex Finn, is a tech entrepreneur, and he's been making videos about that new Apple Vision headset. So before we all get Elon Musk's brain chip, we're going to wear the computers on our face before that we insert them into our craniums. Alex Finn joining us live right now. Good morning, Alex. How are you, sir? Good to be here, Austin. Good to be on the show. Excited to be here. Glad to have you here, Alex. So, would you, so real quick, would you get the Neuralink brain chip if you had a chance, if Elon Musk said, you know, you could have it? As long as the first few test subjects don't croak after getting it implemented, then I'm in. Put it in my brain. <laughs> Me too. I'm with you, bud. I'm with you. I love new technology, but you know, I run in, I'm a libertarian. I run in conservative circles. And the, one of the big differences between conservatives and libertarians is that libertarians tend to love tech. Conservatives are like, tech is the devil. Uh, and it's gonna, it's, it's demonic. Everything is demonic. And apparently uh, the Daily Wire, which is a conservative out outfit, is going along with that line. They were making fun of you in a video. What's their beef? Uh, I don't know what their beef is. So some uh, character named Brett Cooper decided to start attacking me because of my uh, Apple Vision Pro video. So uh, I, I am a big tech guy. I love technology. I write software. I create tech products. I've had the Apple Vision Pro since the morning it launched. I absolutely love it. I've been putting up some videos on my X account. That's where I'm popular is on X at Alex Finn X. Uh, and I've had several videos over the last few days go wildly viral. And it apparently got picked up by Daily Wire. And I don't know what's going on over there at the Daily Wire, but they were hating on me for using the Apple Vision Pro and using it to watch 10 TikToks at the same time. I don't get it. <laughs> 10 TikToks at the same time. No, God, no. God! Urs mommy no, over the chat God, says mark please, of the no, beast ap no. mark of the beast you know but <laughs> tell us a little bit about this uh headset what are the benefits of using this technology looks kind of cumbersome but uh tell us your experience with it so i got it right there behind me so i can just throw it on at any time you can see it behind me there but uh it's there's several benefits uh so it's the introduction of spatial computing and basically what that means is when i put it on my entire space becomes my computer I can pop open a window here. I can pop open a window there. I'm a big Boston Celtics fan, so I pop open the Boston Celtics game on a 500-inch screen on my wall, and then I'll open up my work in front of me. I'll open up you know, a programming terminal right in front of my face, and then my notes on the left, my other on the right. And so instead of having a 2D space, which is your monitor, which is where everyone's used to doing their work now, with the Vision Pro on, I now have my entire house is my computer, and I can you know, set up in my bathroom, a screen on the door. So when I go to the bathroom, I can watch TV and then I come back in my 
coding is tur- uh, is right in front of my couch. And so it really changes the entire paradigm of computing with the headset. Unfortunately, what you see mostly on the internet is people using it for stupid reasons, right? Going to the gym and wearing it's pointless. The 99% of people are using it just for attention and clout. But if you use it for the way it's supposed to be used, where turning your space into a computer, you really can up your productivity and change the way you do work. So there, and you know, every new technology like this does have some limitations. One could be battery battery life, for example. I did notice that there is this giant tube that comes out the side, and you've basically got to house the battery on your person. Do you find that to be cumbersome? Not at all. I, I there, there there are downsides though, which I'll go into, but the battery is not one of them. You know, you're really not supposed to be using this device doing anything but sitting down on your couch, right? So you put the, the the battery to your side, you plug it into the wall like you would a laptop charger, and there's no issue whatsoever. It's supposed to be a computer. You have the MetaQuest, Zuckerberg's device. That's supposed to be like a video game console where you jump around and do jumping jacks and do crazy stuff. That wouldn't work for this. This is supposed to be a computer where you sit down and your entire space becomes productive. There's a lot of other issues with it. The battery is one that there's many issues. Like my eyes get very, very tired after half an hour. I'd imagine after a couple of years of continued use of this, I'm going to be blind. I'm fine with that. Um, There's, there's a lot of other issues where, uh, you know, sometimes it can get a little slow if you open up a lot of things at once, but the battery is not really an issue here. Okay. So battery, not an issue, but you were talking about your vision. So, I mean, do you feel disoriented wearing this headset? I mean, do you have to take it off after a while and take breaks? What's that like? There's no disorientation. I don't get headaches. I don't get dizzy. I don't experience any of that. Really, the only downside I, I feel is after about 45 minutes of use, you know, have you ever just stared at a monitor for hours now? Like days you do a ton of work and you're just staring at a monitor and your eyes just, you, you just want to lay on the couch and close your eyes. Do you ever do that before? Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's like that, but after half an hour with this device. So after about half an hour for me, and I know people who've used this 12 hours straight, zero impact to their eyes. For me, 45 minutes after using this, I just want to take it off and close my eyes for a little bit because it just feels like my eyes ran a marathon. So everyone who uses it is going to have different experience. For me, the one major downside is I, I, I got to take a break every 45 minutes or so. Okay. Well, that makes sense. For those who are just tuning into the Wake Up America show, I'm speaking to Alex Finn. He's a tech entrepreneur. You can follow him at Alex Finn on X. uh, And you can uh, uh, check out his videos where he is reviewing the new Apple headset that so many people are decrying as the end of Western civilization. My friend earlier, I think, had a good point. I mean, would you wear this walking around in a big city out in public like Chicago, for example, Alex? I so I live in New York City. Uh, I see what's going on in the city. I see the crime. I see how much the city has collapsed over the last four years or so since COVID started. Uh, I would absolutely not wear this outside. And I live in a safe part of the city where there's no crime. You, you don't see police officers anywhere. There's zero crime here. And I wouldn't even wear it here. Uh, I don't. I, first of all, I wouldn't wear it because of the crime uh, potential. It's very easy to someone who's take it off, snatch it off your head and $3,500 is gone. But two, there's no point. Anyone wearing this outside is just chasing clout. There is zero point in wearing this outside. There's no benefit to wearing this in your day-to-day life outside. There's no benefit to wearing this walking around. There's no benefit to doing anything other than sitting your ass in a chair and doing work. Doing anything else other than that is completely pointless. 
so no, I wouldn't wear it outside for the reasons your commenters said crime, but also there's no point. And I, I also want to touch real quick, if you don't mind, on the downfall society thing. I do think it will be the downfall society. I actually agree with that. If you use this the wrong ways, your life is over. If you use this the wrong ways for pornography, for nonstop games, for watching 20 TikToks at the exact same time, I agree this could consume your life and destroy you and turn you into a fat ass and you never accomplish anything ever again for the rest of your life. If you use it for the right ways and you're responsible and you have personal accountability and you go, I'm only using this for X amount of time to do X amount of activities and I'm going to stay focused, then I think it supercharges your life. It makes your life actually much better. For me, I have rules. I do one to two hours of work a day on it and then I watch the Celtics game at night. Anything outside of that, I'm not doing it because it's going to impact my life and make it worse. So if you have self-accountability and responsibility, which I'm sure a lot of your libertarian crowd is support of personal responsibility and accountability, then I, I think it's only th only a positive on your life, unless it makes me go blind. But if you have no control and you can't control yourself and you just sit there watching porn 24 hours a day, I can absolutely see how it could destroy your life. Okay, because that was going to be my next question was the adult content for it. I guess there is adult content that exists for these headsets. Oh, yeah, they've been coming out with 3D adult content for a very long time since the original Oculus released. It's it's as easy to obtain as any other adult content. Uh, have you seen any of it? I have not because I know my Liar! personality. <laughs> I, listen, I know what I'm capable of, right? I don't eat dessert because for a year in 2023, I ate chocolate every five minutes and I put on tons of shitty weight and I had, was miserable because sugar is awful for your brain. I know what I'm capable of. And so I have the self-control enough to avoid those things. I have the self-control enough to know that if I was to be sucked into the, that world, I'd be spending every waking moment of my day and I wouldn't be able to get my, you know, grow my business, release products, create products. That shit would go down the drain if I, I hope you don't mind if I curse, uh, if, if I got sucked into those things. Now, Alex, you're a tech entrepreneur, right? So obviously, you know, being on the cutting edge of technology is what you do for a job. But is this the kind of thing that would give a regular person uh, an advantage over anybody else? Is this the kind of thing that an average person needs to go out and buy right now? Or is this really just the realm of people like you and me who use technology for our daily work like would this do any good for a construction worker would this do any good for somebody who cleans houses for a living or should they wait until this technology begins cheaper and evolves and ha is more ubiquitous with its uses for the average person there's absolutely no point in buying it right now but here, here's what it comes down to is this technology will absolutely revolutionize the world my prediction is 10 to 15 years from now, 10 to 15 years from now, the world will be a hundred times more productive. People will be allowed to work a hundred times less and get a hundred times more profit because of the efficiencies that this and AI technology uh, and wireless technology and cloud technology will provide. At the moment, we are not seeing the benefits of that because the technology is just there yet. Not there yet. In order for Apple and other tech companies to get to the point where spatial computing and AI computing can actually have an impact on construction workers, have an impact on normal knowledge workers, we need to get the technology to grow 10x from here. 
we need to, I need to be able to go outside with it, live my normal life, do normal things, and people not notice I have it on. But in order to get there, we have to start here. We have to start with this absolutely massive gargantuan thing we place in our head that makes us look like douchebags. We are going to get to a point where that thing revolutionizes work, revolutionizes life, where a construction one construction worker with that on can get as much done as 10 construction workers without it. But we're we're just we have to grow from there. It's like mobile devices. Where did a mobile phone start? It started in your Buick where you had it plugged into the you know the console and to dial it, you pick it up and it's this thing as big as your head. Did that actually have any impact on the world other than you calling your wife and telling you, hey, I'll be a little late to dinner? No, it didn't. But what did what did that grow into? That grew I don't have my mobile phone. It grew into the iPhone. And I don't think there's anyone out there that's gonna tell you the iPhone didn't absolutely change the world. Right. And did the iPhone destroy a lot of people's lives? Is all I do is sit here hunched over like this all day? Absolutely. Destroyed a ton of people's lives. But it also improved a significant amount of people's lives, made the world way more efficient, allowed you to work from home. We're not working from home if the iPhone doesn't exist. Right. COVID, COVID destroys the economy way more if the iPhone doesn't exist than if the iPhone, you know, then the iPhone did exist. If no one could work from home, the entire global economy collapses. But because we can work from home, there was still productivity. So I know I just rambled a little bit there, but right now we're in the the thing, the Buick plugged into your phone, your car that doesn't really do anything, but they had to build that phone in order to get to the iPhone. And they had to build this so that in 15 years, spatial computing can revolutionize everything you do. And I know most people out there can't really see that because most people don't really understand technology on a really deep level. But all the people kind of crapping on chat GPT and the Apple Vision Pro, I promise you 15 years from now, their life is going to be significantly better because of it, whether it's directly because they're using it to be productive or indirectly because the products they're being made is being made way more efficiently because of it. So the price goes down because of it. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, I wouldn't be able to produce my coffee brand with all of the design because of the thousands of dollars I would have had to invest if I wasn't able to use artificial intelligence to create all of my product designs for the shop. And a lot of my people who watch my show are customers of, and they benefit from that because I, I wouldn't be able to afford to do it if it wasn't for AI. Alex, I really like your uh, attitude about things. I consider myself a techno optimist. I really do see a brighter future because of all of these kinds of technologies that are coming out. I don't buy into the pessimistic view of future that, you know, cybernetic robotic terminators are going to kill all of humanity. And it's the end of civilization because we're wearing these things on our headsets. Maybe there will be some negative consequences, right? I'm, I'm not a dope, but I just I happen to see the silver linings and a lot of clouds that are on our horizon. I'm really curious, though, before we let you go about your business, your dope companies, you describe it here, one percent <laughs> better X. Uh, sounds like a good attitude. Sounds like you're pretty optimistic. What does your company do, Alex? My company is all about using technology to improve your life. Uh, so 1% Better from, is a, uh, a newsletter, 30,000 subscribers, where I write about tech. I write about improving your life with tech. I write about improving your life with content. Um, we have a community that people are a part of where we, we talk about tech. Um, we meet up every Friday on Zoom. We have conversations together. We're about to release a piece of software over the next couple months, which will help people improve their content, help people improve their writing uh, through AI. So it's it's a community, it's content, it's media, it's education, uh, and it's software built around technology, improving people's lives. 
That sounds like something I'd love to be a part of, Alex. Where do I sign up for something like that? Or our listeners, if they're curious. Step one, go to my ex at Alex Finn X, A-L-E-X-F-I-N-N-X, follow. Uh, and then that has links to my newsletter. Sign up for the newsletter that goes out every Thursday that has information on all this and how to buy it. I don't really advertise too much. I'm not a big fan of marketing and advertising. I kind of have an Elon Musk attitude where if the product's good enough, people will find a way to get it and buy it. Um, so if you sign up for all that, you'll figure out a way to get the products and figure out ways to improve your life. Uh, but the X is kind of my, I love X. I'm a big fan of freedom of speech and I love what, how X contributes that. So everyone should go to my X and, and follow there, Alex Finn X. Can I also just say one thing? So I'm seeing a lot of comments about people hating on the Apple Vision Pro. Can I address the comments of people hating on it real quick? Yeah, go ahead. So you told me your, your crowd's libertarian, right? Uh, uh, libertarians are obviously very pro Second Amendment, having guns. And then you have people out there who shoot up malls and libertarians, which I lean libertarian, go, well, yeah, guns in the wrong hands hurt people, but guns in the right hand save people. I, I asked the audience who's shitting on the Apple Vision Pro right now in your comment section to take that mindset you have around guns and put that towards technology. The Apple Vision Pro in the wrong hands will absolutely destroy lives. They'll sit there, they'll do nothing but sit on their couch, they'll do nothing but watch porn, they'll do nothing but play video games, their lives will be destroyed, their families will break apart, and it, it'll be a complete waste of time for them. But the Apple Vision Pro in the right hands will make your life a hundred times better. It'll make products a hundred times cheaper to make, which means they'll be 99 times cheaper to buy. Uh, it'll make life easier because technology will be created that will improve your life. Uh, it, it'll improve your life directly and indirectly in a lot of different ways. So I know a lot of people in the audience uh, are not happy with it. They think it's the end of times. Think of it like guns. If everyone was the wrong type of person with guns, it would be the end of times because people would just be killing each other the, right, the left and right. But luckily, a majority of the people in this world are good people. Your guys' attitude when it comes to gun is a majority of the people with guns are good people, right? So you need to take that attitude, right? Be a little less ignorant when it comes to technology and be like, a majority of the people in the world are good people. Those people with technology will improve your lives. And yes, there will be an X percent of people that they it fucking blows up their life. Apologies again if I this is a non-cursing show. Uh, but you, you need to have that faith that technology in the right hands will improve your life just the way guns will. So that's the last thing I wanted to say there. It's a great argument, Alex, and I'm glad you made it here on our show because we are very <clears throat> pro-tech for the most part. Not everybody agrees, but that's what the that's the best part of freedom. You can follow Alex at AlexFinX over at Twitter.com, and I think he's a great follow, and I'm glad I got to meet you, Alex. Uh, don't let the conservatives who are very... Um, uh, pessimistic <laughs> about technology to get you down. Appreciate your time today. Thanks for being so generous. And hopefully we'll have you back again real soon. Happy to come on anytime, man. This is a great conversation. I really appreciate it. I'll be watching your show every day now. So thanks for having me. Thanks, Alex. Have a great day. We appreciate that. He's going to watch the Wake Up America show. So make sure you follow Alex over on Twitter. And well, I have to say that there was one thing that I disagreed with Alex about, and that is that I do believe in marketing. <laughs> I do believe in sales because frankly, if you're not a tech entrepreneur and you're like me and you're in the humble merchandising business, then you're going to have to compete on the merits. Now, do I think that I have the absolute best Javier Malay hoodies out there? Absolutely. 
and supporting the Wake Up America show, you can do so by uh, shopping over at ap4libertyshop.com. We've got, well, a little bit less than 10 minutes. And I have to say, it looks like we may have our very first time of not getting our content unlocked. How dare you? Yes, we do have for you a very special, almost three-minute mini-documentary that is our Mythbusters episode today about the Wild Wild West, debunking the myth of the Wild Wild West. Here at the Wake Up America show every day, we create special bonus content for you to unlock. And if we raise $50 in Rumble Rants by the end of the show, then you get to unlock that content. You've got seven minutes now to um, unlock that content. So if you would like to see the Wake Up America show's bonus content today before it goes away forever, uh, then we do need to, I think we need, it looks like we need to get about $28 more in donations. So if you make a $28 Rumble Rant donation right now, then I will play the video. If not, then we've only got just about six or seven more minutes to go in the show before it's time for us to say goodbye. No, so, God! No, God, please, no, All we've got to do no, is raise $28 no. by the end of the show, and then you get to see it. Otherwise, again, it goes away forever. Don't, hey, don't boo me. Horatius148 says, well-spoken, articulate guy <clears throat> with a good uh, review. Great guest. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Always working hard to bring the absolute best in guests and the best content clips like these. Some of these companies run ad campaigns actually asking for new regulation. But then the goal of the regulation is to get a regulatory barrier where if you're a big established company, you have lots of lawyers who can deal with that. And then the goal is to make sure that startups can't compete. This characterizes so much of sort of American business industry today. You think about all these sectors of American business, defense contracting, media companies, drug companies, banks, insurance companies, you know, right down the list, where it's like there's two or three or four big companies that kind of live forever. And then there's basically like no change. And then those companies are basically in this incestuous relationship with the government, where the government both regulates them and protects them against competition. And then there's the revolving door effect where government officials, when they step down from government, they go to work for these companies. And then people, in, in, people get recruited out of these companies to work in government. We think we live in like a market-based economy, but in a lot of industries, what, what you have are basically cartels. Some of these companies run ad campaigns actually asking for Pause for just a moment. So this is a guest on the Joe Rogan experience who is talking about how the American economy works, that it's not <clears throat> a market economy that essentially runs on a cartel model. Now, he's speaking very quickly. So I want to play this again one more time before the show is over so that you can get a concept for how our American economy really works, which is completely 100 percent dead on accurate. Listen to this. Regulation. But then the goal of the regulation is to get a regulatory... Right. So these big major companies, what they do, they push for laws that are regulations, but then the regulation, the point of the regulation is to get a barrier against competition. So smaller companies that are competing against them aren't able to move up. Walmart doesn't want AP for Liberty shop to be able to afford to sell Afuera hoodies. They want to be able to have a monopoly on the sale of hoodies. They don't want you buying a hoodie from me. They want you to buy it from them. And they've created taxes and regulatory burdens to prevent people like me from competing against them. Let's continue. Barrier, where if you're a big established company, you have lots of lawyers who can deal with that. And then the goal is to make sure that startups can't compete. Right. This characterizes so much of sort of American business industry today. You think about all these sectors of American business, defense contracting, media companies, drug companies, banks, insurance companies, you know, right down the list, where it's like there's two or three or four big companies that kind of live forever. 
and then there's basically like no change. And then those companies are basically in this incestuous relationship with the government. I mean, think about this. During the pandemic, for example, they shut down mom and pop businesses while they allowed Walmarts and Amazons and major corporations to continue to operate. So you couldn't catch the China flu at Walmart, but you could catch it at the local mom and pop retail shop because reasons, right? Where the government both regulates them and protects them against competition. And then there's the revolving door effect where government officials, when they step down from government, they go to work for these companies. And that's another big one, right? So the the companies are in this incestuous relationship, right? When the when the companies say they want regulations, what's happening? The regulations are written to protect those companies as much as they are to stop whatever bad behavior Elizabeth Warren or Josh Hawley or whoever it is thinks that they're doing. So the question is, is are the regulations in place to protect the little guy? Well, they're not. It's competition. And then there's the revolving door effect where government officials, when they step down from government, they go to work for these companies. And then people in, in people get recruited out of these companies to work in government. We think we live in like a market-based economy, but in a lot of industries, what, what you have are basically cartels. Some of these companies- yeah. There you go. What you have are basically cartels. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Wake Up America show. We appreciate all of our listeners for joining us today on the show. I wish we could hang out all day. But the good news is, is that we are on five days a week, every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. The Wake Up America show streams live. So for the 1,500 who are watching us now, now's your chance before you forget who we are. You're getting your kids ready for school or what have you. I know you're busy. It takes a lot for you to pick up the remote control and scroll on your tv over to subscribe to my channel but i'm asking you for that favor right now hit it right now click that subscribe button so that you can come back and join us tomorrow and you'll be able to find us i mean we are at rumble.com slash ap for liberty right you heard me talking about the ap for liberty shop earlier right well i'm basically ap for liberty everywhere people call me ap i'm austin peterson so if you go to rumble.com slash ap for liberty you'll find us but i know what's going to happen right i'm like the least of your worries so tomorrow morning you'll be like oh i'd love to listen to that guy and hear more interviews like those awesome ones that i heard today but i forgot his name and i forgot the channel well click subscribe so you'll be able to find us again tomorrow all right and before you leave exit through what we call the griff shop <laughs> ap4libertyshop.com we've got a brand new coffee that debuted today madisonian morning the grift shop madisonian morning is a delicious brand new flavor over on our founding flavors blends a uh, light roast delicious the brand new light roast from founding flavors coffee try a box today to build a healthy constitution and you can get that again at ap the number four ap for liberty shop.com uh, lots of javier malay merchandise don't tread me merch i love the little kids hoodie that says don't tread on me with the little lego block on there and of course we also have custom patriotic custom metal signs that you can make uh customized for yourself you and say whatever you like all right okay thank you all very much for your support we look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow morning on the wake up america show at wakeupamericashow.com west really all that wild actually it was a great example of libertarian ideas writ large the wild west is often seen as lawless but research shows it was a place where property rights were respected and order prevailed, challenging the chaotic image portrayed. The increase in government size has sparked scholarly interest in understanding its growth and exploring ways to limit it.
leading to a surge in public choice literature focusing on anarchy and social organization. Key works by Rawls, Nozick, Tullock, and Friedman contribute to this literature, aiming to compare anarchic societies to those governed by a leviathan or to outline how societies could function in anarchy. But a paper titled The Not-So-Wild Wild West bridged the gap between theoretical anarchy and its practical application by examining anarcho-capitalism and its implications for social organization. The paper tests hypotheses on social organization in an anarcho-capitalist context by looking at the early American West, focusing on property rights and voluntary protection agencies. The study finds that private agencies played a crucial role in maintaining order without government, disproving the notion of the Wild West as chaotic. The West during this time is often perceived as a place of great chaos, with little respect for property or life. But this was not the case. Property rights were protected, and civil order prevailed. Private agencies provided the necessary basis for an orderly society in which property was protected and conflicts were resolved. These agencies often did not qualify as governments because they did not have a legal monopoly on keeping order. These agencies avoided costly disputes through arbitration and courts, providing a model of order without a governmental monopoly on violence. Anarchy often conjures images of chaos, but the paper argues that order can emerge in the absence of government through voluntary transactions and private rights. The debate between constitutionalists and anarcho-capitalists revolves around the role of government in protecting rights and whether private markets can effectively provide protection services. Constitutionalists emphasize the need for a social contract to define rights, while anarcho-capitalists argue for the efficiency of the market in providing protection without a coercive monopoly. The paper examines historical examples to test the viability of anarcho-capitalism, using the American West as a case study to explore how private enforcement of rights functioned in practice. Despite challenges, the West serves as a testament to the potential for anarcho-capitalism to maintain order, underscoring the importance of examining historical precedents for modern debates on governance and rights protection. Expanse of time, a 